This morning we're looking at a text that stands between two very important times in Jesus' life. We've been talking about his birth and his early life during the Christmas season. Now about to get into his time of ministry, and there's sort of a hinge event there, and that certainly is his baptism. We're going to be looking at Luke's version, or his record of the baptism of Jesus, and pick up a little bit of the ministry of John the Baptist. I did want to say, though, as we begin this text, you'll notice that the first line says this, the people were waiting expectantly. Now, that says a lot. This time of of history in the Jewish nation was a time of, of expectation of the coming of the Messiah. It was really at a fevered pitch. Uh, This is what people talked about all the time. When they went to Bible study, they studied about the Messiah coming. And everyone thought, this has to be the time that the Messiah is coming. So they were all looking for him. And so when John the Baptist appears, preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near and that the Messiah is coming, it really got their attention. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God, and then as we spend a few moments thinking about it. The people were waiting expectantly, and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor And to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. May God bless the reading of his word. Those times that I've settled into a church in my past when I wasn't doing the preaching I, and heard a preacher preach for quite a few sermons began to re- pick up themes. Uh, you know, we tend to be repetitive, and the things we repeat are basically the things that we think are very important. And so I can think back to preachers I've listened to and sort of pick out ideas from them that, that I know that they thought were very important. Well, you can do that with me. Only you don't have to today because I'm going to tell you one of them. Uh, One of the things that I I like to really emphasize in lessons and in teaching about Bible study is this. That the Bible is a picture book. It is filled with pictures. Now, not just your Bibles that we had, and used to have more of them where had artist renditions and things in them. But I'm talking about just a good old basic Bible. It's filled with pictures. And it invites you to come and to, to read the words that describe those pictures. And as you're reading them, draw those pictures in your mind. We talk about meditating on the Bible. Well, part of meditation is looking at the pictures. 
And as we read stories like we just read this story about the baptism of Jesus, taking the time to paint that picture in our mind, and then at once it's, it's painted, step back and look at it and see what it is that we can learn from what happened in that particular event. Now, this story of John the Baptist out in the wilderness preaching and teaching and baptizing, as I paint that picture, I just see all of these people coming in. Because as Mark tells us later on, he tells us that people from all over the country were coming in to be baptized by Jesus. In fact, he says all of Jerusalem. He doesn't say some, he doesn't say most all, he says all of Jerusalem, which may be somewhat of an overstatement, but just so many people from Jerusalem went out to be baptized by John, it seemed like everybody in town was going out there, and that's a lot of people. Now, I haven't seen pictures like that, for real, although it's made me think of a movie I saw several years ago, and a scene that really touched me, and I thought, wow, you know, that must have been somewhat what it was like back there in those Bible days. So we're going to take a moment and watch that scene. Most of you have seen it before, but we want to paint it fresh in our mind's eye. All right. Now, some of you may have witnessed scenes like that somewhat. I, I never have. Baptisms that I've seen, you know, sometimes at camp we would have three or four at one time. But just have masses coming in to be baptized. And although that's not an exact representation of what was going on with John the Baptist, it gives us an idea of what was occurring. Because the people were so excited because they were expecting the kingdom of God. They were expecting the Messiah. And when the word began to be spread that John the Baptist was out there in the Jordan River baptizing people and preparing them for the kingdom of heaven, they came out in masses. In fact, people began discussing, as our reading in Luke said, that maybe John the Baptist was the Messiah. And he would have to say, no, 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 I'm not the one. There's one who's greater than I am who is coming. I'm baptizing you with water, but he who comes will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with the fire of judgment. And so here came the people to prepare themselves to confess their sins, to be baptized, to have their sins forgiven so that they could live then in this great coming of the kingdom of heaven. Now Luke tells us that as John was out there baptizing people and people were lined up and coming down into the water to be baptized that standing in that line was Jesus. Now, here's where I began sort of looking at the picture that I draw. I can see John baptizing people and, you know, next person, and he looks up and back there in the line, is that Jesus coming? Now, he knows Jesus, and we, knows that he know, we, know, we know that he knows about Jesus and the character of Jesus, at least, and he's a little puzzled. Why would Jesus be coming to be baptized? And so he keeps baptizing people, and then Jesus walks down in the water just like everyone else and is baptized with them. Now, John had a question about that. We might have a question as well. Why would Jesus feel the need to be baptized? If baptism, especially John's baptism, as Scripture tells us, was a baptism of confessing your sins, of repenting of your sins, and receiving forgiveness for your sins, all of those elements are there mentioned in Scripture about John's baptism— 
Why would Jesus have anything to do with that? Because we know that Jesus was sinless. So all four of the Gospels, in their own way, kind of wrestle with this problem. That if baptism is about confession and repentance and forgiveness, why did Jesus submit himself to baptism? Now, the Gospel of John gives us a particular answer. It tells us that John the baptizer didn't really know exactly that Jesus himself was the Messiah until he was baptized. And John gives testimony that, that to other disciples that he says, I know he's the Messiah because God had told me that you're going to baptize someone. And when you baptize him, the heavens are going to open and the Holy Spirit will descend upon him in the form of a dove. He said, I saw that happen with this man. Therefore, I know he is the Christ, the Messiah. So that's part of the answer there as to why Jesus was baptized, so that he would then be identified as the Son of God. Now, Matthew in his gospel, he goes on a little further and he even brings the question up. In Matthew's gospel, he records that John the Baptist asked Jesus as he was coming down. He said, why, why are you coming to be baptized by me? You're a better man than I am. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus gave the answer. This is to fulfill all righteousness or justice. It's the right thing to be done. Now, Luke kind of picks that up. Luke is very subtle because we read Luke's account. And he doesn't have Jesus or John saying anything. But what he has is that Jesus is standing in line with all the people. And it says it very simply. And when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. That goes together with Matthew's answer. The reason Jesus was baptized, not only to be identified as the Son of God, not only for the Holy Spirit to fall upon him, but he was baptized to identify fully with the people. When Jesus was baptized, he was making the statement, as much as I am the Son of God, I'm one of you. And as all humanity to participate in the kingdom of God has been called to submit to this rite of baptism, Jesus was saying, therefore, since I am fully human, then I will descend into the waters as well, excuse me, <clears throat> that I will be baptized too, because after all, I'm a person. Now, baptism was a significant event in the life of Jesus. It was significant because it revealed him to be the Son of God, God's unique Son. And in being baptized, he received a unique revelation of the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And he received this unique voice out of heaven saying, You are my son. I love you. And I'm proud of you. But it also said, You're human. You have bowed yourself to the point, humbled yourself to the point, that you have embraced full humanity. Now the point we want to make with all of that is this. The baptism of Jesus was an important event in his life. 
And it's an important event in our lives as well. That baptism is not just a one-time occurrence, a checking off the box and saying, okay, I've done that, and then moving on. But rather, baptism is such a significant event in life that it continues even though it is only done one time. That the very fact that it has been done and all the ramifications of what it means continues to flow forward into your life throughout your whole life. It continues to inform you as to who you are and it continues to form you into who God wants you to be. So that's what we want to look at as we close out today is not accepting that, that this baptism was an important event in the life of Jesus. Asking now, what has it meant for us as well? Well, two of those things are found here in our text. Because the same two meanings it had for Jesus, it has for us. Most of you in this group have been baptized. And I want to invite you who have been to go back and relive that event. Pull that picture up in your mind. And therefore, to then, as we talk about what it means that you were baptized, to claim once again all the richness of that event. Just like Jesus, when you stepped forward and walked down into the waters of baptism, you were saying to yourself, and to God, and to all who were around, I'm human. I'm nothing more than that. There may be times that I sort of think of myself as special. Sometimes I may try to act like I'm special. Sometimes I may try to act like I'm different from other people. But this act I'm doing here is to tell God and myself and the whole world That I am as human as anyone who has ever lived. That I have weaknesses. That I have struggles. That I make mistakes. Yes, that I am a sinner. And the fact that you submitted to baptism, you can't take that statement back. It's there. And it continues to tell us through the rest of our lives as we may begin to look down on others who maybe commit sins that we haven't committed That we're no better than they. Because we confess that one day. That we're totally human. And as frail and as weak as anyone else who has ever lived. So that's one thing that our baptism tells us. Another thing is the other thing it told Jesus. Remember what happened when he was baptized? The heavens split open. The descending of the the Holy Spirit as a dove. Well, Now, that didn't happen when you were baptized exactly like that. But Jesus was the one and only, the unique Son of God. And his reception of the Spirit and the voice speaking, that was a once, one-time event. It was as unique as he himself. But if we continue to read Scripture, we find out that those same things happen to you at your baptism as well. When you were baptized, the Holy Spirit did descend. And the Holy Spirit did come to live within you. And God claimed you as his own. And though you may not have heard the voice, the statement was made in heaven, this is now my child. And I am pleased 
with this child. And I love this child. Later on, Paul will describe this as being an adopted child. That Jesus was the one true Son of God. But through our act of baptism, we have been adopted as his children. And therefore embraced by him. And we are each other's family. And we are God's family. That's why you can't forget your baptism. You've got to remember those two things that were said in that very act. That I'm no better than anyone else. I'm as human as anyone. But I'm also now a forgiven and loved and spirit-indwelled son or daughter of God. There's other pictures in Scripture. And this is another one of the themes that when I'm long gone, I want you to think back and remember that Tommy kept talking about that. That baptism is so important in our life, and it's such a big thing that the Bible describes it in so many different ways and gives us so many different meanings that it can have. I want to run through just a few of those, if I can get this going. There we go. These are some of the meanings of baptism that are given in Scripture. In Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about it that when you're baptized, you are united or joined in and you reenact and participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That you have died to your sins. And you have died to living for yourself only. That you are saying, I'm no longer going to be a self-centered, self-focused person. That person is gone. But I have been united with Christ and I've been raised to walk with him in newness of life. Now that picture brings so much comfort to us. Because some people come to the waters of baptism knowing that that old person needs to die. They are acutely aware that who they've been has not been worth living. And it's gotten you in a position where, where you are just, you got to put it away. It's got to die. It's got to go away. And you raise and you get to live a new life. A life that's been revived and redeemed. Actually, the way Paul is using that is a little bit different twist to it. What he's doing is reminding people that they did that. And then he encourages them a little bit further down into the chapter that they've got to remember that and they need to consider themselves dead to sin. Because as we continue to live our lives, sin doesn't go away. And the temptations don't disappear. And sometimes even new temptations arise. And so we have to remind ourselves, the picture of my baptism, in that I said, that's dead. It's gone. Paul says, consider yourself dead to sin. Make sure you think of yourself as not participating in that anymore. Consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. So that's a picture that we carry of our baptism. And and we go back and we claim that. And do you see now why baptism continues to function in our life? And as we recall that moment, we think this is what happened. Some of the other things that happened quickly. It's a washing. We know that when Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, was in Damascus and blind, he had seen Jesus on the road, he didn't know what to do next, Ananias came to him and said, Arise, Brother Saul, be baptized, wash away your sins. Some people come to the waters of baptism feeling awfully dirty. They're thinking of all the things that have contaminated their lives and they feel like they can never be clean again until they step down into that water and they realize that it's not just water but rather God has come into their life 
and is washing them clean and giving them the ability once again to start over. He uses other things to describe that as well. Jesus, in talking to Nicodemus, says it's like being born again. And if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be born again of water and of spirit. Some people say, well, is the water their baptism? We don't have time to discuss that, but my answer is, yeah. Yeah. Why else would it say water? If it's not talking about being going into the water and realizing that this is a brand new start for you. And here you go again. And you don't have to worry about all those things back there, but you're living a new life. The adoption idea, we've already mentioned. But Paul really punches that in Galatians. That whenever you were baptized, you were adopted as a child of God. You're one of his own. And he will hold on to you and he will love on you. And he will love you as much as you who have children love your children. You know what kind of love that is. And you know how long you're going to hold on to them. And you know how much you're going to forgive them. You know that kind of love. It's the same love that God has for you. It's an act of consecration to God, of setting yourself aside, saying, I'm dedicating my life to God, being holy. It says in 1 Corinthians, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. And you're realizing that now I have a purpose in life, that I don't live just for myself, but rather do live for the kingdom of God. It's a covenantal act. God makes covenants with his people. He makes agreements with his people, like a marriage covenant or a covenant of adoption. And baptism is a sign of that covenant. In the old covenant, under Moses, the sign was circumcision. But as we learn when we read Colossians chapter 2, in the new covenant, the sign is baptism. And sometimes I do have to just simply remember that. Sometimes I begin wondering, am I really a child of God? Does God really love me? Has God really made a covenant with me? The sign in my life is the waters of baptism. Whenever I submitted to that simple act of obedience and allowed myself in humility to be taken down into the water and brought back up, it's a sign that I will bear in my body forever. And not just in this life, but in the life to come. Incorporation into Jesus' body. Whenever you're baptized, as we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you are made a part of the body of Christ. Sorry, can't get out now. You're in. Now, you can choose whether you will function as a member or you're going to be just sort of dead weight for the rest of the body of Christ to drag along, along or are you going to be a working member? Are you going to be making this body vital and alive? Are you going to fulfill your role that you've been grafted into the body to be? But the act of baptism puts you in the body, and therefore you can't get out. <laughs> you can't just say, no, I'm not going to be. Yeah, you are. You're a part of the body. And the encouragement then is, to recognize that and to perform the role that you have been called to do. And then the one more is First Peter. There's others. I ran out of room on the page, and I thought, well, that's enough. A rescue experience. Some people that are baptized are scared to death. They're just scared of life. They're scared of what's going on in their lives. And it's like, as Peter says, whenever Noah and his family were rescued from the evil of their generation around them through the flood, he says, it's like that. It's just like that. Baptism now saves you. Now, the interesting thing is that baptism means all of these, but you can't really add them all up together because they're all just kind of different pictures. And one fun thing, I say fun, one informative thing to do is to think back, now, which of those was I really after when I was baptized? Which of those things was really most important to me when I was baptized? It, it depends on who you were and how old you were. 
You know, for a lot of our children who grow up coming to church all their lives and always loving Jesus, baptism is more of an incorporation into the body or a covenantal act or consecration to God or adoption as a child of God than it is a rescue experience or death, burial, and resurrection. Those things don't mean as much, but the other ones do. But as we go through life, our lives change. I can remember I grew up in a church where baptism was pretty much always identified as death, burial, and resurrection. I was baptized as a young teenager. And to be honest, death, burial, and resurrection didn't really click with me very much. It was just something I sort of had in my mind. Oh, yeah, that's what baptism did. But I can tell you what. Now that I am no longer a young teenager, death, burial, and resurrection is a lot more meaningful to me. And that's one way I've gone back in my picture of my baptism and claimed that meaning. And I'm so grateful that God has given me that picture to realize that in the waters of baptism, I died. But I I was pulled up out of that water to symbolize the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, I will live not just 60, 70, 80 years in this earth, but I will live with him forever. Baptism is a significant event in our life, in our spiritual life, but our whole life. I encourage you to keep that picture of your baptism in mind and to continue to access it and let it inform you as to who you are and form you into who you're called to be. It was a meaningful act for Jesus. It's a meaningful act for you. As we close today, the call that we issue is for those who haven't yet submitted to that simple yet profound act to consider, even now we would assist. But also for those of you who, the majority of you here, to look back and don't let that picture go away, to keep going back to it and learning from it and letting it tell you who you are and what you will be. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing another song. And as we do, some of our elders, some of our staff will move to the sides and to the back. I'll be up here at the front. And I don't know what you came here with in your heart and mind, but this is your opportunity to lay any burden before the Lord or any request that you might have of Him. We'll be glad to pray with you, to help you, to instruct you. But don't leave this place carrying with you the burdens that you came with Use this opportunity. Let's stand and sing.